Hello, everyone. Welcome to Get Better at Business. I'm Travis Richards. The next 20-ish minutes or so, we are going to be uncovering pearls of wisdom that are going to help you advance your company, advance your career by talking to someone who is super smart about business. And I am, whenever I started doing this, like literally one of the very first people that came to my mind that I wanted to talk to was a very good friend of mine, Lindsay Harrod. She and I have known each other for, oh, this is going to make, this is not going to be a fun conversation. How long have we known each other now? Since 18 years. Yeah. No. So anyway, we're, I, I don't feel really like I'm old time. enough to have known anybody for 18 years, but anyway, so Lindsay and I, we've known each other since we were at A&M together a long time ago. She ended up marrying one of my very best friends. And over the course of our relationship, she has become just one of my absolute favorite people. However, she and I have never just like sat like she Lindsay runs a a an interior design business and she and I have never just like sat down and talked about business. And so I'm really excited about this conversation. Lindsay, welcome to the program. Thank you for thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me, Travis. This is fun. This is kind of part of a like, you know, our entrepreneur origin story uh, uh, series here. And so Lindsay and I have taken different roads to being entrepreneurs. I was, I kind of was born into it a little bit. I took over a business and bought a business from my family. Lindsay, on the other hand, took a big freaking scary leap. And so like, let's get into like a little bit of your history of like, take us back to that time whenever you were what, 24 living in New York with your, you know, with, with Clint and like, just kind of just walk us through that. So let Okay. I'll set the stage. Lindsay and I, Texas, Texas people, right? Yeah. And very shortly after graduation, she and her husband Clint move to, I guess not her, not even your husband at the time, right? Mm -hmm. Y'all weren't married whenever y'all first moved to the Northeast. No. no. Clint gets a job. Yeah. Clint gets a job working with it's CBS, right? CBS Sports in New York. While I was still in school, because yeah. he's y'all are both two years older than me. So I finished my degree and then I ran off. He, he worked at CBS yeah. sports, then he moved to Connecticut and then I moved to New York for grad school. So, okay, I'll give you a little backstory on me. I went A&M undergrad in architecture, which you remember well, very long night, lots of hard mm -hmm. work. Then I moved to New York for grad yep. school for interior design, kind of honing my skills a little bit more specifically lived in New York for two mm -hmm. years and got a job for a big interior designer in New York and then moved to Connecticut with my then husband, finally married him, finally put a ring on it, took a while, but that's okay. Moved <laughs> <laughs> and then I commuted to New York for three years. So we were in New York for five years, or I was in New York for five years total, then moved back to my hometown of Houston in 2012. And then from there, work longer for that company. Yeah. Okay. So taking that, like, I guess at, at what point, like, so you, you, at what point did you know that you wanted to do your own thing? Was it like very early on and like getting experience was just kind of part of the process or did you start working for somebody and it just didn't suit you and you needed to be your own boss or like how, like, what was that process like of just deciding that, you know what, I'm going to start my own firm and do my own deal? Yeah. I. I didn't initially go into interior design thinking I would own my own firm. It didn't really start that way. I got into residential through an internship. Interior design kind of goes two routes. There's commercial, which is like, you know, hotels and 
offices and hospitals and schools. And then there's residential where you're designing people's houses, which are two pretty different industries. I went into residential, fell in love with it, worked for a big firm, experienced amazing clients, amazing people that I would have never known in Houston. I mean, New York is just such a big city and such interesting, fabulous people and fabulous houses. So I had a lot of experience doing that, but I thought I knew long-term New York was not going to be where I was always going to stay. I'm a Texas girl. I didn't want to raise a family in the city. So we knew we were going to eventually move back to Texas. And a lot of residential interior designers do go out on their own. You don't see a lot of giant firms. They're Mm -hmm. usually kind of head designer and then a small group of people anywhere from, you know, one to 15 you get bigger than that and it mm-hmm. becomes a whole different ball game. Um, majority of interior design firms are under 15 people. So when I yeah. moved back to Texas, I still sort of worked for the same firm. I did jobs all over the country. I would fly all over the country to check on them. And then I started to develop my own work here in Houston and kind of picked up my own projects. I still ran them through that company, but I was starting to develop my own name in town. and. Then I had a baby still while working for that other firm. And, you know, what most smart women do is start a company with a newborn, you know, just seemed like. Oh, yeah. That seems like a really logical. Yeah. 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 You know, just why not dive in headfirst on both fronts and just, you know. So I did. I My first child was less than a year old when I started my firm. I don't know. Just, you know, maternity leave. What is that? I don't do that. So. (laughs) Okay. So. Tell me about the relationship that you had with the firm back in New York whenever you were first back in Houston. Like, so you're back in Houston, you're developing like your own book of business, creating a name for yourself. At what point were you just like, hey, I I kind of am going to want to go break off on my own? To what degree did you talk to the firm back in New York that this was your intention? Was it something like just what was that process like of transitioning? She was super supportive and always has been of me and was a wonderful mentor and boss. So when I was running projects and bringing things in through her firm, it was fine. She didn't have any issue with it. She was very supportive. And then I think she sort of saw it coming. I was developing more projects in town. And financially, it just doesn't make sense to run small jobs through a giant engine. And the profit margins aren't as good for me, right? So... And I wanted to make a name for myself, not be a subsidiary of another firm in another city. And I think she always knew that and was very supportive of me. So when I got, I finally got a really big size job come my way. And that was sort of my opportunity to break off and form my own firm and start running that project through my own firm. So that's what I did. And then broke off with her, which was a great relationship. I was still available. We would still talk. She would still ask me questions. You know, if there were issues with clients that I had that she would come and check in with me and ask me, what was this paint color? She still does years later. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was a great, it was a great start for me. And she was incredibly supportive, which I think was really helpful starting out. Was she a founder of the firm that she was running? Her mother was. Her mother founded the firm in Palm Beach many, many moons mm-hmm. ago. And then she didn't want to be a designer, didn't want to do what her mom did, moved to New York, went to school, and then inevitably was sort of drawn back into the industry a little bit organically. And it just sort of happened for her. And so she opened and the New York office of that firm. So she 
runs New York still. Her mother still runs the Palm Beach office. And they both have a bunch of designers that work underneath them. They don't work on any jobs at the, together, but they definitely support each other and help each other out in business, which I think is really important. Yeah. And that seems c- kind of cool that, I don't know, she, it's, it's cool that you had, that you had somebody that was supportive, that it wasn't some like adversarial thing between the two of you. And I don't know, I think that that's always a, yeah, that that's gotta be a big help. So tell me about that first job. The first big project that you did where you like stepped out onto your own and like, I guess, how was it different than what you had been doing previously? In what ways, like what were, what were some of the challenges that maybe you didn't expect coming? I think the biggest thing was the business side of it. You know, I had always been picking out everything that we would purchase for a client's house. I would always be placing the orders, tracking the orders, but I never had to pay for it. Our accountants did that. Uh I never had to bill for it. I never had to invoice. I never had to do that side of it. So that was a learning curve. And thankfully, I started my business with a really great software system that is web-based that's built for interior designers called Studio Designer. And that was really helpful. As a small company, it kind of, everything got filtered through there and it made a lot of those processes pretty easy, especially for a one-man show. And then I also just leaned really heavily on the people I knew around me that were better at that than me. Like my dad, for one. My dad is in finance and business and knows way more about any of this stuff than me. So he was a big help and still is to this day, helping me on the business side and make sure my books are straight and that everything is profitable and going well. Yeah. I mean, and so it just, you know, kind of freeing you up to focus on you know, the, the main value that you're bringing to your business, which of course is your expertise and your design, you know, instincts. That's basically the biggest thing that you're bringing to the company. So like, I guess how big of a distraction, how big of a distraction was it? Like having this, now you have this other lump of stuff that you have to deal with that you never really had to before. Like how big of a distraction was it and how much of it, like, did it pull you away from being able to spend all of your time doing design work, which is what you love and are good at. It's a little tough. It still is to kind of, I'm definitely a creative minded person. I do have a a lot of business sense and I appreciate business and finance, but it's not my expertise. And I would much rather just be designing all the time and running around job sites, but it is a huge part of what I have to do. So I think in the beginning, it was a little bit easier to manage because I was not running the scale of jobs that I was for the New York firm. They were big for me starting out, but they weren't the massive scale that I was used to running. So there was more time for me to manage the business side, to invoice, input everything, balance my checkbook, you know, things like that. And then as yeah. I've grown... Mm-hmm. All that. It, yeah, all that fun stuff. As I've grown, I've started <laughs> to outsource more and more of that and rely on my operations manager and my CPA and my bookkeeper and my dad and I still have a huge role in that and keep an eye on things pretty closely and learned a good lesson about that this year because I got really busy and stopped paying attention. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, oh okay, I need to take a closer look at this and make sure things are staying on track. <laughs> Spent a little too much this year. But um, yeah, it definitely takes up a lot of time and still to this day is tricky trying to balance all that and make sure that I do make time for the business side, because I do kind of get sidetracked and excited about jobs and excited about picking out things and working with clients that I have to 
schedule time in my calendar, literally schedule time in my calendar to invoice and to look over our, all of our reporting and everything. So getting better at that. Every yeah. Day. <laughs> what was it like, or I guess what was different emotionally compared to what you expected? What did you think it was going to be like whenever you started out on your own and like working for yourself and being a business owner? And then like, I guess, how was it once you got into it, how was it different from your expectations? I think just emotionally, I, I was worried about more things than just, is that, did I actually order that fabric or did I order that thing in the right size? Now it's, did I pay that invoice? Did, am I behind on billing? Am I, the worries just kind of accumulated, which I just feel like is mm -hmm. adulthood. It's like, you think you have problems in college and that you have things to worry about in college. And you get to be a big kid and you're like, Oh, wow. No, there, that's, that was nothing. I would kill to go back for the worries I had in college. It's a little bit like that, right? That's just, there's more to manage. There's more, your hands are in a lot more cookie jars than they were before. And you just kind of have to, I don't know, sort of land, learn to cope and make sure that you're keeping an eye on all aspects of the business and not just one anymore, which is where I kind of was, right? I was just designing. I wasn't managing people, yeah. managing inventory invoicing, you know, there's a, there's a lot more in it now than it was before. Yeah. And so you have successfully grown like to a level of sophistication and success that a ton of small businesses that start off as solopreneurs never achieve, right? Where it's like now, like how many people do you have on your team now? There is three of us, including me. We just lost one of our team members. She moved cities. So we just lost one. So we were at four. Mm -hmm. And then I have, I outsource my bookkeeping and my CPA. So they're not on my payroll, but big parts of it. Still part of the, but still part of the team. Sure. Yes. So like, oh, we have an intern. I guess. An intern too. Ah, oh, always going after the interns. And oh, so, yeah. Very handy. so I guess, how did you like, what was it like making that leap? Like, you know, so you'd gone in, you were like you said, sort of the one woman show for a little bit. And at some point you decided that it's like, okay, I need help. I need to be able to scale so that I can, you know, like, I guess, what was that process like of deciding, okay, Hey, now it's time to take that next step and bring on, a, you know, have a team rather than uh -huh. just me. Absolutely. I grew pretty organically. It was a lot of word of mouth. I think our business is a lot of referral based. So you sort of grow mm -hmm. by, you know, some finishing a great project them telling all their friends, then their friends buying a new house and needing some help. So then they call you. So it sort of grew organically. And then I got to a point where it was just too much for me to manage on my own. I was still getting more inquiries. I was having to turn people down, just very stressed and needed extra help. And so I brought on actually a friend of my sister-in-law's who had just moved back to the U.S. She was lived in Kuala Lumpur for two years with her husband um, mm -hmm. for his job, moved back. And she was kind of at a phase of didn't really know what her next step would be because she didn't have a work visa. So she didn't work for two years. You know, she kind of volunteered and did some things for different companies, but was trying to figure out what she needed. And I was in a desperate state. And my sister-in-law said, well, Molly's moving back to Houston and she needs a job and she maybe she could help you for a little bit, you know, and just sort of get you through. This was like right around Thanksgiving and in my business, the Thanksgiving to Christmas zone is just crazy because everybody wants their thing done by the holidays so they can have family and friends over and entertain. So 
she came on and we just sort of never looked back and she's still with me and is amazing and has helped me grow my business tremendously. And, but back then it was us in my 10 by 10 guest room and in my business, which I think you probably know, there's a lot of stuff. Like we have a lot of stuff. We have fabrics, (laughs) we have samples, we have binders, we have catalogs, we have tile, we have stuff. And we, it was literally falling on top of us. She was set up on a tailgate table in my guest room. I was at a desk and then we just had samples all around it. And we literally had to shove things out of the way to get on the floor to lay out new schemes and to play around with different fabrics and ideas for clients. So the walls were closing in on us really quickly. And so at that point, it was getting ridiculous. And we just had too much stuff and we needed space. So that was kind of the next jumping off point, which was to getting an office space. And so we did that. So, so fabulous could spread out my guest room, turned back into a guest Mm -hmm. room. I got out of my house, which was great because my, at that time I had, my twins were babies. And so they were starting to Mm -hmm. become mobile. And once they become mobile, they (laughs) realize that mom is in the house, but she's not with you. And so they come knocking on the door and not good. So we finally got out just in time for the twins to become walking age and never looked back and just kind of kept growing from there. So we're going to talk more about the space because I've got a lot of questions about this because I know that y'all, not only did y'all move in, but recently you renovated. And so we're going to get into that in part two, but to just kind of, to just to sort of wrap this one up and just kind of looking back on going from zero to one, where you started everything off you know, you're breaking out on your own, you're by yourself to the point where you are now, where you've got a space, and you've got a team and things are kind of running a little bit more smoothly. Like if you could go back and just give yourself like one little bit of advice, whenever you took on that first project about jumping off and starting, what is the one thing that you're like, if I, I just wish that I knew this back then that I know now? I think what I've learned this year, especially is to have faith in in my skill sets and the what I bring to a project because I think I in every sort of mm-hmm. downturn especially this past year you start to doubt yourself and you start to doubt your abilities and you get worried that you know this pandemic is going to destroy my business or um there were a lot of scary moments and what's funny is that every time and Clint tells me this all the time it's like every time you get scared or you get worried the phone starts ringing again and you just have to have faith in your abilities and the service level that you bring to people and just keep doing an amazing job at what you do. And the business will come like it will, it will come. The phone will ring. Stop worrying so much. So I wish I wouldn't worry. Looking back, I had no (laughs) idea what, how this would grow and what it would become. So I wish I would have had a little bit more faith and just enjoyed the process a little bit more and just, worked hard every day and not worry so much about what's next, you know? That's good advice. You hear that everybody? Don't worry. Believe in yourself, right? That's the, that's the idea. Just believe in yourself. And yeah, one of my business coaches talks about the idea of you got to commit first. And then the next step is that you have to have courage. And he's like, courage is not what people think it is. Courage, courage sucks. It feels lousy. And it usually comes with a lot of worry and angst, like what you're talking about. But on the other side of courage, like I said, you know, you get 
that, you know, the phone starts ringing and then you develop some confidence. And then now you've got more confidence to take those bigger, you know, to take risks and to grow your team or whatever. Right. So I don't know. It's, I don't know what it's like to just jump off like you did and start at zero. I admire many things about you, but that was one of the things that I've always just really admired is like, man, that's how, how cool is it to just be willing to bet on yourself like that and start at, I got no clients. I got nothing. I got zero sales right now, but I bet if I start, it'll work out and I'll do it. So thanks, Travis. Freaking cool. (laughs) You're so welcome. And so looking forward to talking to you in part two, part two with Lindsay, we're going to talk about how important it is to have a good, effective space and like what that can do for your, for your mind, what that can do for your business. Really excited to talk about that because my office is freaking shabby and we need to, (laughs) we need to step it up. And so I'm looking for some real good advice there. We will have links to where you can find Lindsay in the show notes. If people just don't want to go that step and find you on the internet or Instagram, like where should they look? That's the easiest place. I mean, my Instagram handle is Lindsay Herod Interiors, which being a very visual company, Instagram is where it's at. We post a lot of fun videos. We have a really fun one mm-hmm. that we just posted today. So go check us out. Our website is lindsayherod.com where you'll see our portfolio and press and a little bit more about our company. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. If you are listening and you found this helpful, or if you didn't, we would very much like your feedback. Please leave comments for us. We would really appreciate a rating and a subscription. Let us know what we can do better. And also let us know what other business tips you're interested in learning about. And we will do our best to find super smart people like Lindsay that can help all of us get a little better at business. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us. Hey there, Travis Richards, one last time. Thank you so much for investing your time and tuning into the show. I really hope that this was helpful to you and I would appreciate your feedback very much. If you have some notes on what specifically from this episode was useful, or if you have ideas on what we can do better in the future. If you would like to support the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other people find us and also just recommend us to a friend. To get in touch, visit us at www.getbetteratbusiness.com. That's all for this episode, and I hope that you'll join us again next time. Thanks.